Michael, we've talked about our favorite podcasts of all time, right? Yeah, once or twice. Yours was, wait, I... I know you listen to a lot of fantasy football podcasts. I, I do listen to fantasy football podcasts for <laughs> sure. I wouldn't say any rank is the my favorite of all time, though. Okay, okay. Then I got to ask, what's your favorite podcast? Well, I miss it dearly. For me, it's Reply All, the show about all things internet. Yeah, that really was such a great show. Yeah, is you know, they say it was about internet culture, but honestly, I just feel like it was just a great storytelling podcast. I mean, it was one of the products of Gimlet, uh, which, you know, that was the startup podcast company that originated with the podcast startup. Yeah, and um, you must be revisiting our episode about Gimlet's product journey. Is that right? You've got it. It was one of my favorite episodes from the whole product journey season. So I don't know. I think we dig right back into it right now. What do you say? Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play. Rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. So again, let's break this down. A podcast episode about a podcast company that started with a podcast series. That's right. So this podcast episode, our episode, Rocket Ship FM, <laughs> it, it is about Gimlet Media, the podcast company, which originally launched from the one podcast it operated right out of the gate, which was called Startup. Startup, one of my all-time favorite podcasts. For sure. Same for me, too. And if you're an entrepreneur and into podcasts, I'm sure you've already listened to all of the episodes mm -hmm. of Startup. But 
If not, right after this episode, go to Spotify or whatever you listen to, search for Startup Podcast, and you'll find them all there waiting for you, and you can thank me later. And uh, while you're at it, you should download Mystery Show too, which is the greatest podcast ever. <laughs> um, but that aside. Oh, yeah, and we'll be talking about that. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So Gimlet Media, before it was actually called Gimlet Media, it was founded by Alex Bloomberg. And here's Alex introducing himself at the very beginning of episode one on his startup podcast. I'm Alex Bloomberg, and for a long time I was a producer at the public radio show This American Life and also the co-creator of a podcast called Planet Money, where for years I reported on business and the economy. It was a great gig until I decided to do something rash. I decided to take what I learned from reporting on other people's businesses and start my own business. Are you meeting someone with money? <laughs> this is my wife, Nazanin, early one morning a couple months ago, stopping me as I was on my way out the door to do something I'd never done before. Meet a guy who works at a venture capital firm and try to get him to give me money. To invest in my business, a podcast business. I love podcasts. I love making them. I love listening to them. But there's all kinds of podcasts out there, from a couple people talking around a mic to the kind that I make and that I have a particular soft spot for, which focus on storytelling and journalism. Those podcasts, they take way more money and resources and time than the other ones. And probably because of this, there aren't that many of them. To me, it seems like there aren't enough of them. It seems like someone should come up with money to invest in making new shows like these and come up with a theory about how those shows could be profitable. I kept waiting for someone to do that. And then came this thought, a thought that's gotten a lot of people into a lot of trouble. The thought, well, I could do that. The thought, I could do that. Yes, that thought does get some people in trouble. It's gotten me in trouble sometimes too. But in fairness, that phrase can also be the start of something special too. Hey, if you didn't have that thought for four years, product collective and industry probably wouldn't exist. That's true. Yeah, and hey, if Alex Bloomberg didn't have that thought back in 2014, we wouldn't be making this episode right now. That's also true. But for Alex Bloomberg, that phrase was only the beginning. He went on to start his podcast company, and in some respects, he was well-positioned to do so. When it came to the podcast world, he was uniquely qualified. He had produced This American Life for NPR, a very popular public radio show, and was the host of one of the top podcasts of all time, Planet Money. When it came to producing episodic spoken word content like radio shows and podcasts, Alex was certainly one of the most respected people in the game. There was just one problem, though. Yes. He had almost no business background <laughs> whatsoever. He went to a liberal arts college, Oberlin, which is actually just a short drive from where I live. He later became a school teacher, then worked in public radio. None of these experiences necessarily scream, hey, I'm going to start a successful business one day. No, Do they, they? They don't. <laughs> but it didn't stop Alex. He talks about the stage of his life back in 2014 right here uh, in this talk he gave, which is promoted by his speaking agency, APB Speakers Online. What I was doing is I was leaving these two big platforms, This American Life and Planet Money, where I'd had min millions of listeners, lots and lots of people that would sort of like, that I could sort of talk to. And I was going out on my own without the, back, the support of those companies. And so I felt like I needed to do something to gain attention to myself. This was like, I didn't have a social media following at all. I had like two Twitter followers. I was about to give up this gigantic audience for nothing. And it was just me on my own. So I was like, I got to do something to gin up interest in what I'm doing. And I was gonna to try to raise money, right? So I was gonna to go to investors and say, invest in me, I'm gonna make a podcast network. Me, a guy who'd, and, you know, who'd had a, the last for-profit for job was a, a bagger, a grocery, uh, grocery store bagger. So um, 
So that didn't go so well. So what I decided to do is I was going to record the process of doing that. So I went out, and so I would set up these meetings with investors, and I would bring my recording equipment with me, and I would uh, record those conversations. Um, and, I was, and I put it together in a podcast called Startup. As you might imagine, the conversations did not go so well. As he says, those conversations did not go so well. If only we could be a fly on the wall for those conversations, right? I mean, you've listened to the startup podcast, Michael. That's the beauty of it. We can be a fly on the wall in those conversations because he recorded those cringeworthy conversations for us to all enjoy. Conversations like this one straight out of episode one in startup where Alex Bloomberg pitches famed investor Chris Saka. Wait a minute. Chris Saka? Well, look, if there's any relation between me and Chris, it's a, a very, very distant one. Uh, somewhere down the fam family lineage. <laughs> anyway, here's the clip. Here's the problem. In the world of audio right now, most people consume the, the kind of audio journalism that I do. Most, of, most people consume it over the radio. Those people are leaving the radio in droves, and they're migrating to digital. They're migrating to digital listening. The number of Obviously, smartphone handsets are going through the roof. The audio dashboard is becoming digital. iTunes radio, podcasting is all going to be on your dashboard. Um, and there's this whole world of, so there's all these people going there. And I want to start a company that will create the content for all these people to listen to who are like moving into the digital future slash present. Moving into the digital future slash present. Yeah, not exactly a winning tagline. That, that pitch wasn't great. <laughs> and it doesn't get much better. Later in the pitch, Chris Saka ends up giving Alex advice on pitching while he's pitching him. <laughs> you could tell he sort of felt bad for Alex. But you could also probably tell that Chris Saka could see that there was some opportunity here. He actually does end up investing. But if Alex is going to win over some more investors, ones who maybe won't be so forgiving, um, he's going to have to do a much better job of pitching. Or do a better job of finding someone who could help him make those pitches. And actually, Alex did find somebody in Matt Lieber. Here's Alex in episode three of Startup. Matt Lieber, former public radio producer, left and got an MBA from the Sloan School of Management at MIT. For the past several years, was a management consultant at the Boston Consulting Group. In short, the businessman of my dreams. We met through a mutual friend. We got together one weekend over beers and I told him about my idea. He was really intrigued, said he'd been thinking someone should do this for a long time. He liked his job and all, advising huge companies about how to grow their businesses. But his heart, he said, his heart was still in radio. Things got serious between us quickly. During one of our first meetings, I was telling Matt about how some potential investors were asking to see a business plan, but I didn't really have any idea what that was or how to make one. A week or so later, Matt sent me one. Seven pages, broken down into sections. Executive summary, route to market, execution and monetization. In the email, he even apologized for not including a financial pro forma, but told me he'd get me one soon. Matt told me he was just going through the motions at work. All he was thinking about was his business. Couldn't get it off his mind. One morning, I woke up to find an email from him in my inbox, sent at 4.56 a.m. Subject line, interesting data point. Meanwhile, in meetings with investors, I'd begun referring to him as my partner. But he wasn't his partner, not just yet. At this point, they were just acting like partners. I mean, you could actually tell in the sound of Alex's voice that this is more than someone just helping him out. Alex wanted more. Matt wanted more. And so soon they had the talk. 
the talk about efficiently becoming business partners because it was a talk that needed to happen. They were both extremely nervous for it. Matt was pulling all of his energy and passion into helping, but if he were to take the leap to actually partner with Alex, it had to be real. So back to episode three of Startup. Look, I, I definitely want to be involved and continue to like uh, build this thing and get it off the ground. I cannot, I don't believe I can spend the next months helping you in the way that I want to <laughs> with no with no conversation about equity. Well, yeah, no, but the, so I, I hate living in ambiguity. Like, I, I would love to have this conversation. Yeah, it's, like, I've been waiting for this conversation. So do, do you think, do you think I, do you want me to come, like, sort of, like, talk to other people that I know, talk to, like, my lawyer, sort of come to you with, like, a, so, a, a you know, a piece of paper? Um, that is one way we could do it. Um, I mean, you could do that. We could independently do that and see where we end up. Um, why don't we do that? I think that'd be interesting. Maybe it will be interesting. Again, you could tell that Alex is just awkward when it comes to these business conversations. He definitely is. But where did Alex and Matt end up when it came to their partnership? Well, more on that and the start of their podcast company after this quick break to hear from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place. And it makes it incredibly easy to manage. So if you're struggling with that, check out Yahoo Finance. For over 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor. And that's how Yahoo Finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. So go to yahoofinance.com that's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. So before the break, we heard from Alex Bloomberg, the public radio content creator and talk show host, having a painfully awkward conversation with Matt Lieber, the business consultant connected to Alex by way of a mutual friend. Matt had become enamored with the business opportunity behind Alex's idea for this podcast company. And while Matt was chipping in with help on nights and weekends, so to speak, the time came to really get serious. And so they had the conversation about officially becoming business partners. Matt Lieber would eventually agree to join Alex as a co-founder in exchange for 40% of the company at the time. But now Alex had his 
business crush, for lack of a better word, on the journey with him. <laughs> yes. And together, they would close a $1.5 million seed round at the end of 2014. And while some people would consider the size of that round to be pretty modest, uh, to Alex and Matt, this was a big deal. This was money that they needed to get going. And having never launched a startup before in a market that wasn't really yet proven, it was never a lock that they were going to be able to convince anybody to write them a check. But their money was coming from some very legitimate investor. Chris Saka's lowercase capital, Groupon founder Andrew Mason, Betaworks. It would give Gimlet what they need to get started. And a part of that was building a legitimate team. And not just the typical software developers and designers that most high-growth tech startups salivate over, but a real content team that knows what it takes to create successful podcasts, creative professionals like producers, writers, people that actually make the shows. And speaking of shows, this was another big piece of what that funding would go into. In 2014, there were two shows, Startup, which we'd already heard about, and one of my favorite podcasts of all time, Reply All, a show that they say is about internet culture, but I'll just say, it's just a good storytelling show, period. It goes well beyond the internet. And in 2015, they launched another show, Mystery Show, a show about everyday mysteries in life. This show would only last, unfortunately, six episodes. Yeah, and when you say that a show like that lasts only six episodes, it might sound like it was maybe just this ho-hum failure but Mystery Show was amazing. It was one of the top podcasts of all of 2015. Uh, its host, Starly Klein, she even made an appearance on Conan O'Brien to talk about one of the, again, just six episodes. Uh, specifically, this one is about Jake Gyllenhaal's height. Uh, let's go right to the Conan O'Brien show. So there's a whole website called celebheights.com, and there's people who argue about how tall celebrities are, celebrities they've never met. And this one, there was like pages and pages and pages of people fighting about how tall Jake Gyllenhaal was. Well, it's so funny. Like, why? I mean, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, but it's like, why do they zero in on this one guy and say, like, how tall exactly is, is he? It's just crazy. They just, well, they were consumed by it because it wasn't even, they didn't even care. They weren't even saying he's short. They were saying, they were arguing over whether he was 5'10 or 5'10 and three quarters. Like, they weren't trying to, like, deny, like, take him down. They just were really obsessed with, like, actually knowing the f actual number. And so I took on the case. And he ended up... <laughs> the case. <laughs> Starly took on the case. So did she actually solve the mystery? Well, on that very episode, Conan brought out Jake Gyllenhaal, and, well, the mystery was solved. Wow, I gotta say, I'm getting closer to six feet than I am... Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say you, you the are... Hair. The hair's good. Okay, I'm gonna say you're 5'11". Yeah, no I'm getting 5'11 right here. Okay, so 5'11". I, I can buy that. So just six episodes for Mystery Show. Yeah, and think of how crazy that is. The top podcast of the year, just six episodes. And its host, Starly Klein, she's making Conan appearances. So this had to be a coup for, for Gimlet, though, right? Well, it definitely was proof that they were on the right track when it came to content. But Mystery Show wasn't renewed. It was super popular, for sure. And again, I know it was your favorite show of all time, yeah. but... It was expensive to produce, and at the time, Gimlet's business model just wasn't really set up to make it sustainable. Which really was a shame. Um, Starly Klein is one of the 
most talented writers and podcast producers I, I think that we've ever seen. But, yes. you know, it did prove that Gimlet could produce a top-rated show like Mystery Show. Or really three top-rated shows because at the time, Startup and Reply All were all among at the top at that time too. Yeah, no, absolutely true. These proof points helped Gimlet land a $6 million Series A round just a year after its initial seed round. It was four times the capital and it was at a $30 million valuation. Serious numbers for a business that was now being taken very seriously. This money would continue to solidify the team and continue to build out its slate of shows. In fact, here's Alex Bloomberg on the Y Combinator podcast talking about how Gimlet works to build its episodes out for its shows. On one level, the the, the people who are sourcing story, stories are the actual teams themselves. So like The yeah. Nod, one of our podcasts, it has a whole editorial process around finding stories that they're going to do. And Startup has a whole editorial process and Reply All has a whole editorial process. So that's team by team. And those teams know sort of like what their shows are about and what their audiences are into. So they have a process by mm -hmm. doing that. Um, and it's sort of the normal process of just sort of like reading widely, talking to people on the phone, going out, hearing stories at cocktail parties, whatever it is, you know, and it's sort of like uh, finding something in the news that piques your interest and making some phone calls. Like that's always, that's that's the way stories are sort of like, there's no magic formula to it. You just, you sort of try to be curious to the world. So that's how each team builds out its episodes, but how does Gimlet put together the various shows? Well. This varies, right? I, I could tell you in some ways it starts with a cold email, like our friend Josh Muccio. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Michael and I both know Josh from the podcast space. Um, I was actually a guest on Josh's previous podcast, The Daily Hunt, and Josh's podcast, The Pitch, ended up being acquired by Gimlet. That's right. And I was actually on The Pitch for, for one episode as a, a co-host there with Josh. But the pitch was like this podcast world's version of Shark Tank. Entrepreneurs pitch live investors, and they grill them to make a decision to invest or not. The pitch was popular well before it even made it to Gimlet. But Gimlet did ultimately acquire it. And it all started with a cold email from Josh asking Alex and Matt if they'd give him some feedback on an episode that was recently produced. I mean, that's pretty much right out of a movie right there. And to think there are some people in this world who are against cold emails. That cold email sure worked out for Josh, and the pitch was one of the many shows to grow within the Gimlet stable in 2016 and 2017. Then there was Science Verse. Hi. I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. And Crime Town. That's all coming up on this season of Crime Town. And Heavyweight. Help me to help you to help me by listening to Heavyweight. All told, there were 10 shows under the Gimlet brand by the end of 2017. Not to mention all the collaborations that happened under the Gimlet creative division. These were paid collaborations with various brands like eBay, Tinder, Gatorade, and, you know, various other big brands. Yeah, they were meant to be very high value, high quality podcasts created for brands, but kept separate from the Gimlet's original editorial content. This was meant to be a big revenue stream for Gimlet in addition to the traditional advertising streams. In just a couple of years since its launch, Gimlet was making lots of traction. And so it comes at no surprise that in the summer of 2017, Gimlet did what was becoming sort of an annual tradition. It raised another big round of capital, this time <laughs> $15 million. Yeah, all this fresh capital, it was meant to keep fueling the fire, hire more talent, develop more shows, create new revenue streams. There was sort of a problem, though. 
to do all of this, it required more and more capital. Yes, they were generating revenue. The shows were popular, but the revenue... It wasn't like profitable revenue quite yet. Yeah, and that in itself is okay. I mean, look, most startups, they're raising money because they're not profitable quite yet. They're trying to prove that they can scale and later that money will come. But the $15 million that they raised, that was meant to last a while, two and a half years to be exact. That would mean that they could spend about $6 million a year for those two and a half years until they need more capital. But there was a big issue. Let's go to that episode of Startup titled, appropriately, Our Company Has Some Problems. Here's Jim Garou, the VP of Finance at Gimlet, talking to Alex and Matt Lieber about their finances just months after they took a $15 million investment. So something like probably $10 million, $11 million. A million a month is probably where we're headed towards if we don't uh, change some things. In other words, if we keep going the way we're going, by the end of the year, almost that entire investment we just got will be gone. And that's because a lot of the things we assumed would happen didn't. We assumed audiences would grow, but instead they plateaued. Our launches had not done as well as they had in the past. And some of our biggest shows with the largest audiences still weren't making money because we couldn't sell ads on them. That pile of cash that was supposed to last Gimlet two and a half years would all be dried up nearly a year after they cashed the check wasn't the plan. More on what happens from Gimlet next after this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Before the break, we were learning about Gimlet's growth at nearly all levels. They're growing team, they're growing stable of podcasts, they're growing revenue. And let's not forget their growing burn rate too. Yeah, we can't <laughs> forget about that. And Gimlet couldn't ignore that either. In fact, it started sort of a dark time for Gimlet. There seemed to be some division in the ranks, uh, mostly between Matt Lieber and Alex Bloomberg. They actually go into detail about this a lot on the Startup Podcast. Alex placed some blame with Matt. Matt places some blame on Alex. And really, this is all uh, pretty normal, almost expected. No different than, say, spouses arguing during uh, some rough patches. Look, it happens. Yeah. And, you know, during this time, something else happened company that served as a distribution partner for them, Spotify, they were becoming more interested in the podcast business. And they were asking Gimlet lots of questions. I'm going to go back to the Our Company Has Problems episode. And right here, Matt Lieber recalls when Spotify reached out to him directly. I got an email from the, it came from the head of global sales. Here's Matt again. And he's talking about an email he received in the spring of 2018 from the global head of sales at Spotify. And he was like, hey, um, we're beginning to think more about podcasts and, you know, we'd love, we respect you and your leadership in, in the podcasting space and we'd love to have you come in and talk to us about it. Matt wrote back, said sure. They settled on a date. And then a day later, he heard from one of our board members. Pat, who was on our board, said, hey, I got a email from this banker that I know who is very close with Spotify. And he's aware that this meeting is happening. And he says that they are seriously considering like whether to buy you. Spotify is considering whether to buy Gimlet. This was obviously big news and unbelievable timing. I mean, the mood went from dark to hopeful. 
I mean, maybe this could be Gimlet's path to an exit, which is always on the mind for startups. It may have seemed odd. Spotify is known to most as a streaming music company, but really, they were more than that. They had already been hosting podcasts on their platform, and they noticed something about podcasts that lived in Spotify. This is from an episode of Startup called Thanksgiving in Stockholm. Here's Sheila Spence, Spotify's VP of Corporate Development. What we saw as we were building our own podcasting business on Spotify is that our users really love podcasts uh -huh. and we had higher engagement with podcast users. Uh -huh. So clearly there was a strong consumer demand for podcasts and a strong demand with Spotify users. Mm -hmm. So those data-driven learnings were confirmation that the world of audio is even bigger than music. Uh -huh. And music is a component of audio and a really important one, but that we had the platform to serve a much broader opportunity. A much broader opportunity, Spotify didn't view itself as a music streaming service anymore. It viewed itself as more of the platform of choice for audio. And podcasts represented a growing portion of that audio. That initial conversation, it was the start of a dance between Spotify and Gimlet that stretched out over several weeks. While Matt Lieber was told that there was interest from Spotify to acquire Gimlet, Spotify didn't necessarily show its hand so soon. There were a few conversations, but no offers. But then things started to get serious. So serious that Daniel Ek, CEO of Spotify, invited Alex Bloomberg to travel to Stockholm to meet over the Thanksgiving holiday. And hey, if I'm going to get pulled away from my family and football and food, you know, the things that come with Thanksgiving, it better be for good reason. But this was very good reason. This was a chance for Daniel Ek himself to get FaceTime with Alex, to hear in his own words why Gimlet was special and why they might make for a great fit with Spotify. And the same goes for Spotify. It was a chance to show Gimlet why Spotify would be the ideal home for their company. Ultimately, an offer was made just in time for Spotify's big earnings call. That deal ended up getting finalized in February 2019. Spotify would end up acquiring Gimlet Media and another podcast company, Anchor. Gimlet's portion of the acquisition it was reported to be $230 million. Ooh. This was Gimlet's big exit. Right after the acquisition, Daniel Ek, Spotify CEO, was invited on NBC Squawk Alley. Here's Eck on why the acquisition made sense for them. Yeah, it's, it's really about um, expanding our mission from just being about music to being about uh, all of audio and being the world's leading audio platform. Uh, and what we're seeing uh, really is we've done podcasts now for about two years. And it's uh, our users who are listening to podcasts are listening to the platform almost twice as much. Um, and uh, of course, the growth in podcasts for us has just been phenomenal. And that's part of the reason why we're now making this move. Today, Gimlet operates under the Spotify umbrella, but its shows continue to thrive. That same high quality storytelling that served as its hallmark, that hasn't changed. Reply All still remains my favorite podcast, <laughs> and all the other podcasts can still be found on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts, but they sure sound great on Spotify. <laughs> and Alex Bloomberg and Matt Lieber, they still serve as the podcasting power couple, so to speak. They don't seem to have any plans to go elsewhere, and even though they've achieved their exit, as long as they can keep telling the stories they love to tell, I mean, why would they go anywhere else? And if you think you could be the next Alex and Matt, Gimlet did release a free multi-part series called Gimlet Academy, outlining the ins and outs of creating a great storytelling podcast experience. So, Michael, what was that exit price again? Uh, $230 million. Do you think we should, like, take that course? I don't know. Let's talk about it after the show. 
Thanks so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM now has a premium ad-free feed. All you have to do is go to glow.fm forward slash Rocketship and subscribe. It helps support the show and it gives you an ad-free experience. You actually get an exclusive feed that you can listen to on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, which is a community for software product people. Product Collective is also the home of industry, the product conference, industry virtual workshops, and one of the largest Slack groups for product people anywhere. And we're also on the Podglomerate Network, so a huge thanks to Podglomerate. You can listen to all the Podglomerate shows at thepodglomerate.com. We'll see you here next week on rocketship.fm.